Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mishy Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So, oh my god, guys, I'm so tired. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't even think I was going to get to recording today because I was just, like, so wiped. But I'm like, Aiden, you need to record today because you need to edit tomorrow and then you need to release tomorrow. You can't do another delay <gasps> because you delayed last time. And look where that got you. So I'm quite tired. I'm sorry if I yawn. Oh, I also have a headache, so, like, that's that's no fun. <laughs> But other than that, I'm doing great. I actually, I'm really proud of myself. I cleaned my dorm room yesterday, which is like a huge thing for me because uh, if you know me personally, I'm very messy, even though I actually like to be organized. I'm just like too lazy to be organized, even though it bothers me. It's the ADHD, you know? So I uh, completely organized my, all my books because uh, I have a lot of them here. I actually only have half my book collection in my dorm, but it's still quite a lot of books. So I uh, organize them by sections. So like there's like classics together and like poetry and then my YA books are together. And then I have like a special like hole for my Percy Jackson books, which by the way, I'm missing the first Percy Jackson book, The Lightning Thief, and it's bothering me. I can't find it anywhere. I might have to go get a replacement. It's kind of sad. I'm very upset that I can't find it. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, Other than that, uh, let's get into who we're talking about today. Today, we are on wife number four of Henry VIII, Anne of Cleves. Now, I actually didn't know too much about Anne of Cleves when I decided it was decided it was finally time to move on to wife number four. Uh, you know, you you have the stereotype of Anne of Cleves that she was Henry's ugly wife and he divorced her for the younger, prettier Catherine Howard, which is true in some aspects, but she was like a lot cooler than I thought she was gonna be to research. Like I thought she'd be under like the same umbrella as like Jane Seymour, but then Jane Seymour ended up being super interesting. And Anne of Cleves is no different. Like she was like one of the, I believe she was one of the first German queen consorts of England, like before the Hanover showed up and then they were all German. Anyway, (laughs) I hope you guys are excited. Let's get into it. Hey guys, so like just a disclaimer before we start into this. Uh, Obviously, as I've said, I live in a dorm and there are other people living here, which means some people can be quite loud. So if you hear background noise, just like try to ignore it because there's not really much I can do about it. People are going to be loud in a dorm. It's a thing. Anyway, so let's start. So Anne of Cleves was born on the 22nd of September, 1515 in Dusseldorf, which today is a part of modern day Germany, but back then was a part of the Duchy of Cleves. Now her parents were John Duke of Cleves and his wife, Maria of Julich Berg. 
Now, since Anne was born on September 22nd, that makes her a Virgo, which means she's creative, patient, and kind, which, you know, I totally think fits her, and I think you guys will see that as we get into her story. Now, from what I read, she seems like she was, like, a very nice and honest person. She seems like the kind of person I'd love to, like, sit and have some tea with, even though, like, I'm not a huge fan of tea. There's some teas I like. Anyway, I'd love to just, like, chat with her over, like, a cup of tea. I feel like she'd just be like the best company ever. Anyway, so let's get into her parents. So as I said, her dad was John Duke of Cleves, and he was of like mildly powerful German nobility. Uh, he married Anne's mother, Maria, who was the heiress of the Duchy of Julichburg. Uh, still because of stupid laws of inheritance, uh, her mother couldn't inherit her own duchy from her father, but whoever married Maria could. So Maria was like a huge like marriage score for John because when they officially got married, John inherited not one, but two duchies when his father and Maria's father died. And, you know, as inheritances go, two inheritances are pretty good. And their marriage actually formed uh, the United Duchies of Julich Cleves which encompassed like a huge part of modern day Germany like it was quite large and this unification lasted until the mid 1660s which I think is pretty cool uh, by the time uh, Anne and her siblings came along John was a pretty powerful German noble thanks to these titles so like go Papa Cleves um, as for Anne's mother not much to say about her I couldn't really find anything other than the fact that I think it's interesting that uh, Anne's mother was brought up as a strict Catholic, um, as most women in Europe at the time were brought up. But it's about to become 1,000 times weirder when I talk about the kind of court she grew up in and her parents' actual, like, attitude towards religion. So when Anne was growing up, it was right in the middle of the Protestant Reformation, which was quite literally tearing Europe in two. It was Catholic versus Protestant. And uh, many noble families and monarchies were either strictly sticking to the Catholicism that had been in Europe for years, or they were changing to Protestantism to the shock of all Europe. Now still, Anne's dad was a very different person like in the middle of all this craziness because he didn't choose either side he wasn't like yes i'm catholic or yes i'm protestant he actually kind of chose both and what i mean is despite the fact that he was raised catholic and his wife was raised a strict catholic he embraced a lot of reformist ideas into his court uh however he never formally converted to protestantism so i guess he was kind of like progressive catholic i don't know uh he was significantly influenced by the philosopher erasmus since he was kind of like a middle of the road reformist like erasmus wasn't like super like yeah protestantism but he was like yeah <laughs> unlike a certain character martin luther who was pretty radical on the protestant side now some of the interesting things he did to show his support for the Re reformation was firstly marrying anne's older sister sibylla to this guy named john frederick of saxony who would eventually head the schmaldlich league i think that's how you pronounce that uh, which was a league of protestant german princes who were trying to oppose the uber catholic holy roman emperor charles v you guys remember him and uh because of this marriage um Anne's father ended up siding with the Schmaldic League over the Holy Roman Emperor, which was like a pretty big statement since uh, John was such a powerful German duke. Now, while Anne would have grown up in this very cultured Protestant court, her mother was still uber-Catholic. It didn't matter what her husband was doing. Now, because Anne spent a lot of time with her mother, she was 
fundamentally raised and educated in a very Catholic manner, despite the fact that her father was like quite opposed to a lot of things that Catholicism was doing. Now, her education under her mother was pretty lacking compared to some other young ladies of her time, like Catherine of Aragon, for example. I've talked about how it was pretty fashionable in this time period to educate your daughters really well, rather than just like bare essentials, but Anne's mom went for a more traditional approach with Anne's education. Like, unlike other princesses of her day who were learning about art and literature, Anne learned how to run a household with some basic math, some needlework, play card games. But other than that, she wasn't really learning anything academic. It was kind of like, how can you be a good wife? That's the main goal here. I don't want you to impress anyone with philosophy. I just want you to be able to like play games and like flirt and stuff. Now, this education would have been fine like back in Anne's Mother's Day, but the Renaissance at this time had changed a lot of attitudes about women's education. Many kings were interested in having more well-educated wives, so she was pretty wholly unprepared for her future role in a sophisticated European court, which also mildly contributed to why Henry VIII didn't like her, among, you know, other reasons. Um, speaking of things Henry VIII uh, didn't like, let's talk about what our girl Anne looked like. Now, Anne is famously well-known for being Henry's ugly wife, and we'll talk about why we remember her this way and how it's definitely Henry's fault that she's remembered this way. <laughs> Let's actually talk about her actual physical features and not the asshole chroniclers of the time trashing her. Now, believe it or not, her features actually quite surprised me. I imagined her, like, as a brunette, probably because of Joss Stone, who played uh, Anne in the show The Tudors, but she actually wasn't like that at all. She was actually a blonde with uh, brown eyes, and unlike Henry's uh, three previous wives, she was, like, tall. She was, like, 5'8 or 5'9, maybe 5'10, and she was also, like, curvy rather than slim and petite, which we love a curvy queen in this household. We love that. I feel that. Uh, which was, like, different from Henry's other wives, because Henry's other wives had been, like, quite petite in stature, and she was tall and curvy. Uh, she was also described as having a quite kind face, and she was of middle beauty, according to some things I read, which I think boded pretty well from her, and was probably one of the many reasons Henry picked her. Like, she wasn't drop-dead gorgeous, but she also wasn't, like, ugly, you know? <laughs> Okay, so despite the fact that Anne is, like, pretty famous for being engaged and eventually married to Henry VIII, that was not the first time she was engaged because princesses are getting engaged all the time. Now, when she was about 11, her father tried to arrange a marriage for her to this dude named Francis, who would eventually be the French Duke of Lorraine. Now, this probably would have been actually been a decent match for her, but her father was never able to work out a deal with Francis's dad, so it ended up falling through pretty quickly and nothing ever happened. Um, funnily enough, her almost fiancé actually ended up marrying this lady named Christina of Denmark, who was the great niece of Catherine of Aragon, which I know was like an un wildly unrelated correlation to Anne's future husband, but I just thought it was interesting that her uh, fiancé that technically jilted her ended up marrying um, her neck, her first husband's ex-wife's great-niece. I know that's so wildly unrelated, but I just thought it was cool. Um, it wasn't until Anne was about, like, 22, so, like, 
10-ish years later that the idea of marriage was brought up again after Henry VIII's third wife, Jane Seymour, had died. But uh, at the time, Henry VIII, he wasn't looking very hard because as we discussed in Jane Seymour episode, he was really depressed after Jane Seymour died. But two years later, Henry realized, oh shit, I might need allies. So he started wife shopping. Now, Cleves wasn't his first choice. He actually tried a lot of other women like a Danish princess and uh, Mary, Queen of Scots' mother, uh, which we talked about in Mary Queen of Scots' this episode, and we'll definitely talk about one day when we do Mary Queen of Scots' mom. But as it turns out, when you divorce one wife, kill the second, and let the third one die, no one wants to marry you. So <laughs> Henry ended up with Cleves as kind of like a final option because no one else was willing to do business with him. Now, Anne's father at the time had died a month before uh, in February of 1539. So when negotiations for Cleves' marriage came up, it was Anne's little brother, William, doing all the talking, even though Anne's mother really didn't want to send Anne to England. Like, Maria was like, no, are you kidding me? This guy, we're going to marry Anne to this guy? But it went ahead anyway, despite Maria's, like, misgivings about Henry. Now, William offered up both Anne and her little sister Amelia's potential wives for Henry, and to make sure he knew what he was getting into, Henry sent his court painter, Hans Holbein, I believe it was Hans Holbein the Younger, who's a really great uh, portraitist from the time. you got to look up some of his paintings. He does great paintings. So Henry sent Hans Holbein to paint him portraits of both Anne and Amelia, and he told Holbein to not flatter either of them and make sure that they were absolutely lifelike. Eventually, Holbein came back with two portraits, and Henry was like, damn, Anne, you hot. And uh, Henry VIII's um, minister, Thomas Cromwell, who had been like hyping up this marriage, he's like, yeah, go Cleves, was also like, ooh, Anne, you hot. <laughs> So eventually they were like, swipe, is it swipe left? Swipe right? Whatever the swipe direction is on Tinder, that's what Henry did. He liked her, so he, he swiped right, I think. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, Henry was into it, and the treaty was signed, and uh, suddenly Anne was engaged to this super important man, and she was going to be Queen of England, which was really awesome. Now, this really should have been, like, happily ever after for Anne, but we all know this is just the beginning of a very humiliating time for our girl Anne. Now, a few weeks after the treaty was signed on October 4th, um, 1540, I believe, uh, Anne set off on her journey to England. Uh, she eventually arrived in England, landing at Rochester Castle in Kent on a New Year's Eve, actually, uh, after a grueling few weeks of travel to her new home. Now, the plan was that Anne would stay here for a few days until the official marriage ceremony, which she, where she would have actually get to meet Henry. But uh, Henry had other plans because he wanted to meet his new German wife. Now, we have talked about Henry in other episodes and in, about the episodes about his other wives, but I just want to catch you up on how our favorite serial wife killer was doing leading up to the year 1540, because he's changed quite a lot since his uh wonderful third wife, Jane Seymour, died. Now, even though we're not exactly sure how much Henry loved Jane Seymour, he was definitely depressed after she died, whether or not that was just like, like he was mourning the idea that she could have given him other sons or if he actually loved her. Anyway, um, I don't think if Henry's government hadn't insisted on it, I don't think Henry would have ever gotten married again. Still, he had to considering the religious tensions that he, you know, kind of started. Uh, but this Henry was not the same Henry of old. Henry, he'd been pretty 
athletic up until his jousting accident while married to Anne Boleyn, if you guys remember that. Uh, but not only did that fall probably mess up his brain, it also screwed up an old injury that he had, and he was much less athletic uh, because of that, which would have been fine. But Henry was a big eater, which was okay when he was burning off calories doing sports when he was a teenager. But now that he was moving less and eating the same, he gained tons of weight and for only being in his 40s he looked like he was like in his 60s so he wasn't like the young sexy henry that we have come to know in the last uh three episodes that i've done on his wives um he was fat old and weird henry but the only person who didn't know that he was fat old and weird henry was henry And it was because of this confidence that Henry had that he still thought he had it, which was kind of what screwed up Anne and Henry's first meeting. So picture it. It's New Year's Ears. Why did I say it like that? New Year's Ears? No, that's not it. New Year's Eve. God, I'm sorry, guys. I'm tired. (laughs) It's New Year's Eve, 1539. And Anne is uh, chilling at Rochester Castle. Uh, She's alone for the most part, by the way, because she hardly speaks like a word of English, which is stupid. Someone should have given her English lessons if she was going to be Queen of England. Anyway, she was watching a bull baiting show, which I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I tried to Google it. Apparently, it's it's some it's like a tradition that they do at New Year's Eve in England. It was a thing. I don't know. I didn't really look into it too much. Anyway, so she was watching this bull baiting show from uh, a window when suddenly some strange old dude in a mask comes up to her and like tries to kiss her and hug her and give her a gift from Henry. And like obviously not speaking any English and not being too familiar with English customs, she was freaked out by this and like kind of recoiled, but like tried to be as nice as possible until the guy left. But Oh, was her being like mean to this dude a mistake? So, uh, surprise, creepy old dude is actually Henry, and he had worn a mask and a costume to like meet her on the down low, like unofficially. Uh, he had been hoping that, like, through the power of love, that she would like see through his disguise, but obviously that didn't happen because A, she didn't speak good English, and B, she wasn't used to the game of courtly love because they didn't have this like idea of like courtly love in Cleves like it wasn't a thing like if you remember in the Anne Boleyn episode Anne Boleyn was wonderful at the game of courtly love because she learned it in France but Anne sorry Anne of Cleves just wasn't used to it and it went all wrong for her after this meeting Henry complained about Anne's looks and was basically blaming pretty much everyone but himself for the appearance of his new wife as I recall he called her fat and smelly which is pretty ironic because he himself was fat and smelly so he was probably just projecting his own securities uh, because Anne had knocked him down a peg by accidentally rejecting him now Henry after this meeting, tried in vain to get his people, especially Thomas Cromwell, who had been the biggest supporter of this marriage, to stop it before it could happen. But there was no way for Henry to legally escape this marriage without totally insulting Anne's brother, William. So the marriage ended up going ahead no matter what anyone wanted. Anne and Henry ended up getting married on January 6, 1540, at the Palace of Placenta, where actually Henry had been born. And he had a huge attachment to this place. He loved the Palace of Placenta. But gosh, he was not happy at the ceremony. And it's even worse when the wedding night came, and we unfortunately have a very detailed account of what went down. Now, when they finally went to bed, Henry ran his hands all over her body, but apparently he couldn't bring himself to do it. So, uh, moral of the story is that they didn't have sex that night. And the next day, Henry was even more anti-Anne, but 
Anne, on the other hand, was ecstatic. She thought everything was going really, really well. But a few years, a few days later, she actually ended up confessing to one of her ladies that she thought that she might be pregnant, which is clearly ridiculous <laughs> because it had only been a couple of days, and that's not how for having a baby works. Uh, but as it turned out, no one had prepared this full-grown 24-year-old woman for actual sex with Henry, which I probably blame on her mother's strict Catholic upbringing. Um, Anne thought that all the touching in bed was going to get her pregnant. Like, that was, like, a thing that she thought worked. It, it reminds me of that scene in, if any of you guys watched the show Anne with an E, where, like, Anne and the girls are, like, dancing. <laughs> And uh, Ruby Gillis, like, won't dance with the boys because she thinks that a boy touching her will get her pregnant. Like, <laughs> it feels like exactly the same thing. Now, <laughs> if Anne of Cleves knew anything about sex, she wasn't getting it from Henry, which some people put down to him finding her unattractive, but I'm, like, 90% sure it was just because he was old and fat and couldn't get it up, so he decided to blame it on Anne's looks, which is super not cool of him. It is not cash money, but are we really surprised that Henry would throw away an alliance because Anne hurt his tiny little fragile man feelings? We really shouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised. Okay, now that uh, Henry and Anne are wedded and slightly bedded, uh, let's talk about Anne's time as Queen of England, which, while super short, is actually still pretty interesting to talk about. Now, to the outside world, nothing seemed to be wrong in Anne and Hen Henry's marriage. They went places together. He was nice to her. He gave her gifts and treated her like a husband should treat his wife. And this illusion was fooling everyone. It actually reminded people a lot of how Henry treated his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. And the whole ruse was fooling Anne, too, since she constantly wrote to her brother and mother that it was going well, and she was very in love with Henry, which is so cute. But so sad, because Henry did not feel that way about her. Now, in terms of positive relationships, Anne was a A-plus stepmom to Henry's three kids. So let's talk about her relationship with each kid. First up, Mary, which Anne had the best relationship with, mostly because they were actually pretty close in age, Anne being 24 and Mary was about 20 or 21 at the time. Uh, they, did, they had tons in common, and they grew really close, despite the fact that Anne was really a reformist and Mary was a strict Catholic. Uh, but they spent a lot of time together and they had like a good like stepmom, stepdaughter relationship with it, which is good. You always want to have good relationships with your stepchildren, especially when you, these three stepchildren have a lot of trauma. Anyway, uh, Anne's relationship with her stepdaughter, Elizabeth, greatly influenced, uh, the future Queen Elizabeth I. And, uh, she was probably her second best stepmother relationship in my eyes. Anyway, she, Elizabeth probably didn't remember Jane Seymour too much. I imagine. Um, Anne uh, once said of Elizabeth that to have had Elizabeth for a daughter would have been a greater happiness to her than being a queen of England, which is, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and stepmom, stepdaughter girls. Now, as for little baby Edward, as far as I know, Anne didn't see baby Edward very much since he was away in his old house Whole, you know, being Prince of Wales and all. Uh, she didn't make much of an impact on baby Edward while married to Henry, but they knew each other, like, a lot better when uh, Edward was, like, in his, like, early teens and such. And they, they seemed cool with each other. So, you know, I, I think she, Anne had, like, a good relationship with all three of Henry's kids, which is, which is great. 
Now, by spring of 1540, things may have been getting obviously more downhill for Anne since she had noticed that her husband was flirting with a certain young 17-year-old lady-in-waiting in Anne's household named dun, 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 Catherine Howard, which at first, you know, bothered Anne, but she realized she probably wouldn't be able to do anything about it. I mean, kings will be kings. <laughs> So it kind of left her alone, but it didn't really matter because Henry's new fl fling made him even more eager to get rid of our poor dear Anne. Now, the first thing Henry did was have Thomas Cromwell, who had organized and encouraged Anne's marriage, arrested for treason. Because even though it clearly wasn't his fault, Henry does what he wants. Now, after that, on June 24th, Henry ordered Anne to leave uh, the main court and go to Richmond Palace, which, you know, she thought was a little weird at the time, but she went because Henry's her husband. Uh, but a while later, she found out why her hubby had sent her away. Now, Henry had finally figured out a decent excuse to wiggle his way out of his marriage with Anne, and it had to do with Anne's first engagement. You remember her engagement to Francis? It's coming back to bite her in the ass. Now, Henry is basically saying that his marriage to Anne wasn't legal because she had been previously engaged when she was 11. Which is clearly a fucking stupid reason, but what's what was Henry gonna do? Like, <laughs> what? Also, what was Anne was gonna do? Henry wasn't gonna let up. He divorced a wife once. He was gonna fucking do it again. Now, when Anne uh, found out that Henry was investigating her previous engagement, she firstly, when she found out, she fainted, and when she eventually came to, she did not give her consent for the inquiry, but it was pretty much going to go ahead anyway, whether she said yes or no. Eventually, after a few weeks of hard thought, she eventually gave her consent and cooperation, and, you know, a lot of people praise her for this, because unlike uh, the last wife, Henry divorced, she didn't fight hard for her crown, and some people are like, all like, well, if Catherine of Aragon had just complied like this, her life would have been so much better. And I've got to completely disagree on that uh, front. Catherine of Aragon was Queen of England for well over 20 fucking years. She'd been raised to be Queen of England. It had been put her in her head from the day she was three years old that she was going to be Queen of England. Not to mention, while she didn't have a boy, her daughter Mary was a perfectly viable option for an heir. Uh... It's just Henry was sexist. And uh, Catherine was not going to lie down and let Henry take her rights of something that she had been dreaming of from the time she was three and she had been doing for 20 years. Meanwhile, Anne had been queen for six months. She had no kids' rights to fight for, and she was not raised to think being queen of England was her destiny. Basically, what I'm saying is you can't really compare Anne's divorce to Catherine of Aragon because they're totally different. Catherine had a lot of loyalty in connection to England. Her daughter was English. She had been raised to be English, to be the English queen, and had not. So there's there's completely different like mindsets for these two different women. Also, uh, Henry was going to send Catherine of Aragon to a nunnery, which doesn't sound fun or comfortable, and he wasn't going to do that to Anne. Um, on July 9th, 1540, Anne and Henry's marriage was officially declared null and void and illegal, and they were officially divorced for good. And to celebrate, Henry showered Anne in gifts, which is the most interesting way to end a marriage. <laughs> like, yay, we're divorced. Let's, I'll give you money. Willingly. <laughs> um, she was given possession of Richmond Palace, Bletchley Manor, and Heaver Castle, which, if you remember, used to be owned by wife number two, Anne Boleyn. And this actually ended up becoming Anne's uh, favorite residence, which is kind of ironic. Um, along with this, she got a fat yearly income and the right to keep all her royal Jews and jewels and money, which she brought with her from Cleves. So, like, fucking slam dunk. 
Good for her. Also, uh, Henry started referring to Anne as his sister and became one of the highest ranking women at court, beside, of course, her former stepdaughters and whatever wife Henry would end up taking next, which happened uh, pretty soon after uh, they got divorced. Uh, Henry married his fifth wife, Catherine Howard, on the 28th of July, which is uh, shocking to no one. That's like what, like 10 days after they got divorced. And you'd think Anne would have had some hard feelings about the whole thing, but it was actually the opposite. Anne was really nice to little 17-year-old Catherine Howard. And when uh, Anne came for Christmas in 1540, she spent most of her time uh, with Catherine Howard and even danced with her for a couple of times, which I, I think is very, you know, cool and uh, mature of her. Um, uh, but unfortunately, uh, the niceness didn't last very long. Uh, Catherine Howard was executed almost two years into that marriage, and uh, many people after Catherine Howard died wondered who would be Henry's sixth wife. And Anne's brother actually tried to convince Henry to take Anne back, but that didn't end up working. I don't really think Anne would have wanted that. Um, Henry ended up wedding his sixth and last wife, Catherine Parr, which kind of upset Anne. Like, she was like, eh, do I really want that back? But I could be queen. Eh, yeah, so it was kind of, it, it was confusing for her. <laughs> uh, the last few years of Henry's reign were pretty comfortable for Anne since Henry invited her to court a lot. Like, they got along a lot well, a lot uh, better than they thought they would. And she was very independent. However, she was in debt like 90% of the time, she apparently was not good at managing money and she like really liked playing card games. So she spent a lot of her time in debt, which really, really sucks. Okay, so as most things do, stuff has to come to end. And by end, I mean Henry. And by end again, I mean he died. So uh, Henry died in 1547, and this affected Anne's lifestyle a lot since Henry's uh, heir was Edward, and Edward was nine. Uh, he had a council that was ruling on behalf of her ex-stepson, and this council thought that she was fairly irrelevant and also thought that she was a drain on royal funds. So the minute Henry died, uh, the royal council that was ruling on Edward's behalf took away almost all of her properties that Henry had given her. And, you know, since Edward was nine, he couldn't really do anything about it, even if he did have a sense of loyalty to her. Uh, Anne tried to make the best out of the situation, so she made her primary home Hever Castle, which was one of the properties they didn't take from her. Uh, she kind of established, like, a second mini court where she would entertain tons of people. She frequently had her ex-stepdaughter Elizabeth over for parties and for lunches at the castle, which, you know, was kind of sentimental since Heber Castle is Elizabeth's mother's family home. I, I imagine Anne might have known that and maybe that's why she had Elizabeth over so much. And for about six years, um, Anne was pretty content until she was thrust back in the spotlight when little baby Edward suddenly died at the age of 15. Rip Edward. Uh, and after uh, succession issues that I don't have time to get into, <laughs> Lady Jane Grey, we'll get to that one day, um, her step ex-stepdaughter Mary ascended the throne. Now, since they were still on good terms, Mary invited her to her grand coronation, which was lit. We'll talk about that one day in Mary's episode. Once I get through all six wives, I think that's when I'll start tackling uh, Henry's daughters. Yeah. Um, so Mary was just like, 
hey, you want to come to my coronation and, like, have a big spot in it? So Anne and Elizabeth shared an open chariot at the coronation parade. Uh, Anne got a fancy new dress to wear at the coronation, which was probably great because she probably hadn't had a new dress in a couple of years. And both she and Elizabeth walked behind Mary as she got crowned, which was, like, a huge fucking deal. Now, Mary's reign as queen was a little rocky for Anne since she had reformist views and Mary was a strict Catholic. And as you know, with uh, Mary I of England, we often call her Bloody Mary, even though I think that's a dumb name. We don't call her dad Bloody Henry, even though he deserves the moniker more. Anyway, uh, the relationship uh, got pretty cold as Mary tried to turn her country back to Catholicism. So that wasn't probably a positive addition to Anne's final years, which really sucks because I wish they had had a better relationship, but I wish they'd been able to get along. But Mary and Anne kind of had a cold relationship in like the couple of years that Mary was able to reign. And it only got worse. Uh, Anne of Cleves died on July 16th, 1557 at Chelsea Old Manor in London, uh, most likely from cancer. That's what they think killed her. Um, in her will, she left her belongings to her still living brother, uh, younger sister Amelia, and her brother's uh, wife, as well as her two stepdaughters, Elizabeth and Mary, and two of her uh, best friends, the Duchess of Suffolk and the Duchess of Arundale. Okay, let's get into legacy. So even though she didn't make much of an impact as Queen of England, I mean, what really can you do as Queen of England in six months? And she's generally written off as Henry's insignificant ugly wife. Um, he's said to have called her a Flanders mare, which is dumb because Henry knew exactly where he was shopping for his wife. He knew she wasn't from Flanders, which is dumb. I don't know why that's a rumor that he said that. Um... She is so much more than the ugly wife because she probably wasn't ugly. Not only did she outlive Henry by 10 years, go queen, uh, but in that time, she was an independent woman in a society that was very anti-independent women, as we've seen. Uh, she hugely influenced England's first two queens with her grace and dignity, and I think that is quite a legacy as a stepmother. And even though I, I think she would have been a great mom, she could have had kids. It really sucks that she couldn't have kids, but I'm glad that she influenced her stepdaughters and like was a really good role model for them. Now, thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode. I really enjoyed it. I liked learning a lot about Anna Cleves, and I hope you guys are excited for the next episode in two weeks because that's going to be my birthday episode. And I want you guys right now to start thinking about who I might be doing for my birthday episode. It's got a lot to do with cake. You guys figure it out. I'll post an emoji clue um, uh, next week for it but you guys think about the idea of cake for the next person i'm doing because it has a lot to do with it okay bye hey guys thanks for listening if you have any suggestions for topics you can just dm me on twitter at long rain 2 the n at the end of rain is replaced with a two instead instead i'm also available on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, anchor and like a whole bunch of other stuff uh don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms it really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience so i would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.